In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. You climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by Jay King, beat reporter for The Athletic. And today we have a very special guest from Barstool Sports, the host of Mixtape Podcast, the host of Section 10. That means you host two Barstool Podcasts, so that makes you a millionaire, Coley Mitt. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? It's Bezos and then it's me, one and one A, uh, neck and neck for the, for the richest man in America. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. I mean, that podcast money at Barstool just is is obscene. It just goes Joe Rogan, you guys, and then, you know, the $50 uh, an episode I get. Yeah, I'm going to need to talk to Erica or someone to get in on, on this money uh, that I keep hearing podcasts generate. <laughs> It's frankly obscene, but we we are here today, I guess, to talk news. There's updates in the basketball world. Uh, apparently, it's coming back. Shams, the man from our network, says it may be late July. Apparently, friends and family are going to be there. Um, all sorts of crazy playoff formats being thrown out. Um, people got real strong takes on it. Kevin O'Connor's going off about a play-in tournament or like a, a European-style match play. Uh, people got a lot of strong takes. Personally, I just would welcome the sight of basketball, but I don't know. I'll throw it to you, Coley, first. Do you have a, a strong preference for how the NBA would re- return? I yeah, I would prefer if we weren't on the half of the bracket with the Bucks and uh, the Clippers. That's what I would prefer. So if they could figure out a way to, like, maybe, I don't know, switch us with the Lakers, put us on their half and the Lakers on this half, I'd be all in on that. But but okay, so you'd rather avoid you'd rather have the Celtics avoid the Clippers and the Bucks than the Lakers? No 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 no. I would I'd like you to avoid all the three. Lakers too. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let them the ash it out. We'll play uh, the the beaten down and beleaguered one that makes it out of that three in the finals. I'm fine with that. Yeah, Celtics with like the Nets, Magic, uh, <laughs> who's Rockets, Jazz. <laughs> yeah, Jazz without Bogdanovich. That's that's Coley's brilliant idea to save the NBA. I don't see any pride. Stern would have done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was a if fair Stern point. was in charge, he would have just said, the Pelicans are the eighth seed in the West. We need Zion in, and there would be no discussion of it. I think there's all sorts of crazy ideas out there. It doesn't make sense. Do you guys think there should be, like, a play in anything? It just makes sense to me to, like, let's get this going they already have to have like three weeks of training camp and then to actually get the playoffs started. I just don't think they have time to play a bunch of like me, like a play in tournament or like a, like anything before it. It just makes sense to go with 16 teams. Well, here's the thing. There's money on the line. Like if, if you get more games and especially if you get more games with stakes, that's just raking in more money and teams are going to want to recoup as many dollars as they missed out on. Obviously some of the ideas aren't great. Like the NHL is coming back with 24 teams in the playoffs, which is just fucking insane. What? Like, why, why even play? The NHL has 24 teams? <laughs> <laughs> why even play the regular season? You know, I, I think the Bruins got a buy from what I what I heard from my hockey hockey people. I have sources, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh but still like that's crazy. Like imagine if like the Wizards were in a play in tournament. Like there's just no point in that. 
But but on the other side, you're, you're talking out two sides of your mouth. You're saying they need to have need to have games and they need to play, and then you're saying those games would be. I don't care. I won't care about those stupid playing <laughs> games. That's what I'm saying. But but the NBA might for money. I we talked to Quinn Cook yesterday, and I asked him about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, we can't just jump right into playoff intensity. Like people are going to get very hurt." So I I don't like the idea of a play-in tournament and. Really, the only reason they're pitching that is to get the Pelicans in that eight seed. That would be but awesome. I, I, I would be a fan of Zion. Listen, they had their chance to be in that eight seed. It's not like we're just randomly started with them. As, are they even the nine or are they the ten? They, they might be ten or eleven. They're, yeah, so it's not like they're like a half game back. Like they had their chance. Uh, I don't care about the plan, but to have them get like something more than just preseason level games under their legs is probably a good idea. Okay, so if you play a couple games, you make sure the Pacers uh, lose and the Sixers jump up a little bit so the Celtics don't have to play the Sixers in round one. There's definitely things you can do. Are you I'm worried just, about the Sixers? I'm a little bit worried about stopping uh, Joel Embiid. So they, like, they, they've got Al Horford. He's been stopping Joel Embiid for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. I would say I, I'm more cons- are concerned about the Sixers than I would be about the Indiana Pacers. I mean, I just don't believe in the Indiana Pacers whatsoever. It's just an easier path. But the, the question is, like, do if four do you play to kind of those games beforehand? Do you have to bring back the whole league then? Or do you only have games with teams that could make the playoffs? Because, like, if I'm the Warriors right now, like, I'm not going to play for anything. Like, Steph Curry's not, like, there's no reason to bring any of the lottery teams back to risk injury or anything like that. And so is it – I've heard 20 teams. I've heard 24. I mean, I guess this is why KOC, he's a he knows his stuff. This is why he's supporting, like, the round-robin tournament is because so you can get in those, like, those early games. Because I agree, like, you can't come back and just, like, game one be game one of a playoff series. But it's just, like, how many teams do you bring in at that point? I mean, that hockey idea is chaos. I don't know <laughs> if I if I want that with basketball. Yeah, just let, let guys get a couple games in. I don't know, just let them play. If it's already a centralized location anyways, like, who cares? What about, like, a side tournament? Like, a pre-playoff tournament that included all the teams? And and they put money on the line. I don't like, know if it would be money or, like, like give, more give lottery guys, balls or something. Yeah, give guys some incentive. Well, players wouldn't want more lottery balls because they want to keep their spots. They want to keep their minutes. So, I'm not sure that would work with the players. But, like, some sort of incentive – for some pre-playoff tournament so that guys can get exhibition games that actually kind of matter. I would I would kind of like that. I didn't even come up with that until right now. I don't hate it. Plus, we could see Zion. <laughs> the only one is get Zion on there. We can figure out a way to do that. Now, what do you guys think about the, the reseeding? Because it doesn't really – it just seems like it's a, a – because it's a new situation, we can reseed, and then that would be the situation where the, the Celtics would have to play the Clippers in the second round. But the whole point of reseeding to me is to get the top 16 teams like in this way, the magic would still be in the playoffs. And then it's like, what's the point? Like the whole point of reseeding is to get the 16 best teams. It's not just like the throw a wacky wrench into it. And so that like doesn't really make sense to me. And I in no way have that opinion based on the fact that they might play the Clippers in the second round instead of the Raptors. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all in on a Celtics Raptors series. I feel like that's the series that should have happened years in the making and just hasn't happened yet. Like Tatum versus Siakam would be fun. Lowry flopping around trying to stop Kemba would be a lot of fun. Jalen Brown against all those wings and guards and Fred Van Vliet's of the world. I'd be really in on a Celtics Raptors series. And me too. There's something very funny though, about the idea of LeBron being able to just house the Raptors one more time. (laughs) I forgot about the kind of the psychology of Raptors fans have seen that Bracken just going, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> We're over this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they do have like the 16 record-wise best teams. I know the Magic aren't like fun. But I was saying this yesterday to, to someone too. Like imagine if this amount of time was all faults fully needed to have the shoulder and <laughs> like fully fixed and he was just killing. He just got the, the Lakers out of there round one. See ya. Ooh, I like that. What are other wrinkles like that that could happen? That would I think just the most be- obvious one is KD and Kyrie coming back and playing healthy and yeah. just being like the like a, a finals contender almost immediately. 
Yeah, but like it's going to be an injury risk for normal people. Never mind, like Jay. We just said it was a hypothetical where Markel Fultz's shoulder was magically. I think he was like, "Well, the medical guys say Kevin Durant probably can't come back thirteen months removed." <laughs> that is a valid, valid point. Uh, it's it's tough to suspend your disbelief sometimes, I guess. But I, I could I could willingly do it for Markel Fultz becoming Superman. <laughs> But, but not for Kevin Durant and Kyrie, potentially. <laughs> not for one of the five best players you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think um, the basketball is going to be good? Like, No, absolutely not. Though, uh, that's not like another immediate. reason to get some good game, like some games before the actual starting the playoffs. Because I can understand some arguments where like, you don't want the play-in or the group mode because like, what if someone like, messes up their first couple of games? But then it's like, you know what? Some some team's going to come out and just have a terrible first round series, and like then there's going to be all sorts of. It's going to be so good for arguments online. Like, oh my god, I'm so ready for like collective shared experience again. Like people are just like, I'm gearing up to get my Twitter fingers ready, but I, I just can't imagine the games. It's going to take some time for like it to ramp back up to playoff intensity. Some random teams are going to like click though. You know what I mean? Like every year at the beginning, of the year, there's always some team that shouldn't. That's like ten and two, so like that could theoretically happen in this scenario too. And I don't see that being that crazy, but I also think that's bad for <laughs> for an eventual champion uh, of of a year that uh, we're gonna have to explain twenty years from now. Yeah, oh, I, I think I saw it. someone on Twitter saying like what like the Thunder might have might benefit from all this. Like, what would be the quirkiest team that would have a chance to win a title if in, in this new new for world. everything to go right, it's just like a team that just has everything click. Yeah, I, I, I don't see think sa- Chris Paul savvy veteran leading the way. I don't know. Maybe the Heat. They're used to. A, they just have have been in peak fitness this whole time. Their body fat is under three percent or whatever the crazy <laughs> like requirement is. They're just. I don't know. Here's the thing: it's like there's what five teams that, that could possibly win a title, no matter what the format is. Yeah. Both yep. LA teams, the Bucks. I would throw the Celtics in there, and then the Raptors. I, I think I think the Rockets would have a chance. I think, like, put Harden in this new world after after his boot camp that he just went through, <laughs> looking thin all all of a sudden, and then uh, like like that, and that's that's the other variable too, like whoever used this to get in peak shape, it, it's like. It's like a lot of my friends are are either getting fat as hell right now or they're just like finally for the first time in years deciding to take care of themselves. And it, it, I, I feel like self, or NBA players are going to go either way too. I, I saw something today like Mo Bamba added like 30 pounds of muscle during this. So like, <laughs> he just steps right in for the magic and carries them like three rounds. Everything clicks in for Mo Bamba yeah, finally. Like finally, yeah, I just need to add a quick 30. That is one reason why I don't uh, fear this 76ers, just because Joel Embiid is not going to come back in shape. There is zero chance, and I don't even think he can play his way into shape. And this is based on no information other than the entire history of Joel Embiid. But there, like, there's just – I don't know. What do you think the Celtics is cha- – Celtics is – I don't know how to talk. What do you think their chances would be, I guess, no matter what the playoff format, in terms of actually – making the finals. Cause before I thought it was like, Oh, they're surefire going to lose to the bucks in the uh, Eastern conference semifinals. But now it's a, it's no one knows what's going to happen. Maybe the bucks have lost their magic. Maybe the Lopez brothers have like uh, gotten a huge fight and it's ruined team chemistry. They maybe they'll get, maybe they'll get lost riding the, riding the amusement rides at Disney world. That that's always an X factor too, for the Lopez twins. It's also huge that, Chris Middleton won't be able to play at the garden where he shoots a career 98.9%. Where he is a known demon. <laughs> yeah. So maybe playing down at a wide world of sports is going to like neutralize him to just like an okay player. Uh, I, I honestly do think this time off has been huge for like Kemba's knee was a huge story when we were last playing basketball. That has, has to be better right now. Has you to. would hope. Yeah, he's just, hanging out with Grant, he's just hanging out with Grant Williams all day. So I don't know if that's like a, a good thing or a bad thing. Grant could be pretty goofy. Gordon Hayward riding in a televised Peloton event this weekend. He could be coming back just dunking on guys after so many Peloton rides. You never know. I don't know if te- like the, the path from 
not dunking on guys and then peloton to uh, like get an explosion is like a, a sound one but i like your your belief in a kind of whatever that is jay the thing i'm like is crazy about is like what are the games going to be like they just said that like some fans are going to like some family and friends are going to be there so like deuce tatum's going to be on the sideline but like i don't know someone has a big crazy dunk that co- completely changes momentum and they just have some golf claps and quietly walk back to the bench the the environment i think has a huge impact on like the players and the energy of the players. And it's going to be is like, will they be able to bring the same intensity? I would hope so. You know, it's still the NBA playoffs, but it's just going to be weird. Like soccer's pumping in crowd noise on Fox sports. Like that's weird. Like I, I, I would don't want to be lied to, but it's also going to be very weird. It's just quiet gyms. I think it's going to be the exact same amount of noise as when Orlando used to have the summer league <laughs> and those very small gyms that could only fit like the teams coaches. And, and that was it. Those are fine. Yeah, but but that's shitty basketball. I feel like when I think of it, I almost I think of AAU basketball. Not that that's not shitty basketball, but I was gonna say, all, yeah. <laughs> all, all these guys have played in it all their lives. And then the other thing I think of was like if if you have a finals game with no fans, it would kind of be like that that famous dream team scrimmage. Like right. everybody just just talking shit to each other. Like the only thing you can focus on is the guys you're going against. And so, like Brad Stevens said this, and and I, it, it kind of struck me as as pretty smart. He said that he do be you know, saying smart things. Practices a lot of the times are even scrappier than games because there's there's no fans, there's nothing else, and you just are competing against somebody else. And so I, I look forward to like guys jawing with each other when you can hear literally every single word everybody's saying. It, it could get even feistier. The obvious solution is just to mic everyone up. It's just to put like so many more mics and just put it on like I, a five second delay so that you can get all the motherfuckers and stuff like that off there. But like that's that's how you bring people in and like bring the intensity because I agree, the players I think are gonna be there, but it's just the environment to get everyone excited about it, you kind of need to be like have that window in. Without it, like I don't I don't wanna hear like just Chris Weber's take on what's going on. Like I mean, I never want to hear Chris Weber's take on what's going Chris on. Chris Weber, listen, if someone can fill dead air and, and no noise, it's Chris Weber. Didn't that man will not stop talking? Didn't Deion Waiters get signed just before quarantine? To who? Sounds right. The Lakers? Did, didn't the Lakers sign him, or, or am I just totally making that up? It's no, been so sure. long. No, I'm pretty sure he's on the La- he's on the Lakers in 2K, so I think he's on the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's on the Lakers now. Like just just mic up Dion Waiters on the sideline. <laughs> One yeah. player per team has to wear the mic. Yeah, g- give give Dion Waiters the mic. Give who on the Celtics would deserve the mic? No I think one. it's got to be Marcus Smart. Um, yeah, Marcus Smart. As long as it's not Ennis Cantor, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys uh, think Romeo knows it's quarantine? That is a very good question. Like, does he have any idea that this has happened? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> one one day it'll hit him. But well, he's just been outside the training facility. Like, where is every day? Why does my key not card here? not work? <laughs> what was it? Was it trade deadline day where he just completely forgot that that I was had no thing? idea? <laughs> no idea he could be traded. Who's the Celtics player you think is like? Uh, has a chance to like come back and use this the most obviously we mentioned Kemba but, but is like there any chance for someone I don't think someone can take a leap during quarantine but I don't know I don't know what could happen but it's like is there anyone could time lord too yeah he had missed so much of the middle of the season after playing I thought really well uh and he had, he had just come back right before this all happened right like he played maybe a couple games but has time lord been in the gym working on his game then, Has anyone? Tatum said he hasn't even like remembered he played basketball. <laughs> Robert Williams occasionally posts photos from a gym somewhere with okay. W- yeah, all, he, all he's doing so, is jumping. It's, he's just jumping for forty minutes five, straight and then leaves. That's all five, he's ever done. Yeah, that, that's nothing new for him. I think the other one is Grant Williams, and I think that just because like young guys, a lot of the time for young guys, it's not that like you go away and get so much better skill wise during a summer. It's just, you go away and realize like I, I can hang at this level more than I initially thought. And so I I think him, like if he comes back and is just at least a little bit more confident shooting threes, that could make a big difference. Um, And then does, does Romeo have any chance at all 
to like come back and play any minutes in the postseason? I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, I feel like Brad, at least this year, when it was like a meaningful game, he's like, all right, rotation immediately goes to eight or nine. Like maybe Shemi will get in, most improved player last year, but um, maybe he'll get some time. But no, there's like Romeo, he he had some flashes where he, I guess, earned his way on defense. But in the playoffs, Brad doesn't mess with things unless it's like we got to start Gerald I don't Green. know. I remember he threw Yabu in there a couple times <laughs> against the Bucks. Like Brad, yeah, that was after, against- that was after Kyrie was like say volunteering to guard Giannis one on one, picking him up full court. Like I think that at that, that point you throw anything against the wall. That man started Gerald Green to to change around a playoff series <laughs> at the four after never doing that the entire season. Brad is not against a playoff curveball. Like, Are there any? And he's had a lot of time. Like I, how many times he's watched like the sixty five Celtics games in during this quarantine? I feel like he's probably gone a four times through. Once, yeah. once forwards, once slow motion, once watching the games backwards to see if he could like figure anything else out. What are, are there any wrinkles he could come with, or because we really didn't the see Tommy the Einstein coaching style, which is <laughs> I, I don't know, Put, smoke, <laughs> smoke some butts at halftime and throw yeah. out the basketball in the second half. We didn't really see the small ball lineup that much in the play or the regular season was like the uh, the best five. That's always something I was curious about and something that I thought the Celtics could use maybe against the Bucks or maybe against the Sixers if you can withstand some minutes of Tatum or Hayward against Embiid. And so like that was like a big wrinkle that I thought. Did you say uh, Tatum or Hayward against Embiid? In the best five lineup, would you rather have uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart or Kemba? Marcus. Yeah, it would probably be Marcus Smart just – Grappling with him, Embiid would be in hell with Marcus. Uh, <laughs> put him in shackles. It's a fair point. I should have remembered Marcus Mark guard standers, and that's on me. Hand up. Um, are there any other wrinkles like they could come up? Like any like Hayward? Hayward would explode if he tried to guard Embiid. <laughs> He's the tallest member in the Fast Five. Okay. They're all like the taller than Tatum, but he's been on a Peloton bike. He, he has been on a Peloton bike. <laughs> Jay, why are you such an expert on Peloton bikes? I I, I started uh, riding the Peloton a few weeks back. Yeah. You look like an instructor right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most hurtful thing anyone's ever <laughs> said to me. <laughs> uh, Those guys are in shape. That's not the worst. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm they're leaders of men. They, I'm definitely uh, not that yet. Mm-hmm. People look up to them. A little better. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that either. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, the other question is, uh, and I'm really scared of trying to pronounce this word. I think it's very dumb, but there's a bunch of debate about, like, will this asterisk. season have an asterisk? And then the answer is, yeah, buddy. <laughs> like, has pronounce it again. Second asterisk, chance. Asterisk, 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 information star. <laughs> there it is. The information star. I can't see like how it couldn't have an asterisk, no matter how, what the like level of basketball is, because it's it denotes that this season is unlike the others, and this season has not been at all like any previous season, and so it has to have an asterisk. I don't think that makes it so like you would value this championship less than other championships. I think we have to wait and see like what the basketball is like, but clearly, just for history, just so we know that like you know global plague happened during this season. I think we have to have some sort of notation of that. I think it's one of those things like if the Lakers win, big asterisk. Oh, yeah. Anyone else? No, I'm fine. <laughs> if LeBron wins, he's 3-5-1. and one. Yeah. 3-5-1. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, someone put, pointed this out on Twitter the other day. You don't think of like the lockout shortened season having an asterisk. Right. And obviously I mean, that Phil was, Jackson that was, did. That was more just an normal. asshole. That was more of a normal situation. Like teams just played, what was it, 66 games and played oh, some back to back to backs, which is just bonkers. And David Stern era, man, just get the games in. I don't care. Had to get the games in. I mean, that, that's what they're going to do in, in this quarantine bubble. They're just going to pack games in. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have less time in between games because pl- players don't have to travel. Oh, they're, they're going to pack some games in, Packer. Don't, don't you worry about that. I'm interested to see just, like, what the environment is. Like, presumably, they're all going to be staying in, I don't know, I've never been to Disney World, but, like, the same hotel or the same complex. Like, is, is there going to be beef that carries over after the game? There's going to be a bunch of off-court drama. Like, I know they're not letting media in, but, like, the, the 
it's a content farm there. And we like, we need to see what's going on with these guys uh, in between games. And I feel like it's up to the players to chronicle it all on their Instagrams and things like that. But that's, that's going to be got fantastic. Who would be the I most likely to get in a brawl in the hotel? We like, talking like post Mike Tyson fight, like Tupac style. Yeah, I guess. How, however you want to envision I think this, it's this fight. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great answer. That is a great answer. They may just brawl yeah. in the court. I am <laughs> very interested to see what happens with those two after all the, the hoopla surrounding their coronavirus um, positive tests. Oh, they're absolutely going out in the first round. Plus, Bojan's gone. Like my, Now they might have to play the Rockets, who they've lost to two past years. Like The Jazz are done. Ingles yeah. said he was going to go back to Australia and never come back. Like that team has no chance. Yeah, they must have hated each other well before the coronavirus ordeal. Because there's no way you just get that mad at somebody if he like coughed on you, even even if he was joking. Like you just don't do that. I he mean, was he's like, a tall French guy, like headlocks and like licking lemon stuff. He was doing a little bit more than just like yeah. coughing near them. But still, like if somebody I liked was licking me, I'd be like, "You're an asshole." First of all, but yeah. depends how much you like him. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I also wouldn't hate him forever for it. It would just be like, God damn, you're, you are so stupid. We're both healthy. Thank God we are. And we move on. Are any of the Celtics overseas? Like, where's where's my man Daniel Tice at right now? Uh, Jay, you're a reporter. You're a the beat reporter for the I, athletic. I am not don't sure know where, where Daniel Tice is. I am not sure where Daniel Tice has been quarantining. I do know that Celtics are scattered in many places and are definitely not all in the Boston area right now. I know Vinny, Vinny Poirier, I saw him on Charles Street the other day. He was looking fresh, and I said hello, and he said hello, and uh, we kept You uh, saw him? Yeah. <laughs> were, were you guys socially distanced? Or, uh... We just crossed, and I said, what's up, Vinny? And he said, hello. And he had no, no idea who I am. And then <laughs> I just, You should have reminded him that you came up with Vinny's sex. Well, no, you want to know how much of a coward I am is that I waited till we were past, and then I just went – Vinny Sex Pants forever and just kept walking. Um, I didn't turn around because I just assumed he was like, oh, it's Sam Packard. He was he was shaking in his boots because he got, he saw me on Charles Street. Yeah, his idol. Fellas, did you remember that first time in high school when you realized that you, too, could smell like an axe? The whole axe body spray craze of the early 2000s? I mean, it it was then it dawned on me that, you know, smelling good was important. Ladies like men who smell like an axe. And so, you know what? I started getting into the, the Draca Noir game. I don't know if you pronounced that correctly, but you know what? You just, you didn't want to be the smelly kid. And being the smelly kid in school was not good. And you know what? Right now, if you want to graduate beyond kind of just the simple axe body spray, Hawthorne is the company for you. And getting Hawthorne cologne is very, very easy. Hawthorne is a uh, kind of men's good website that will cover you basically head to toe. You can take a two minute quiz online and they'll tell you the colognes that are right for you, the skincare products that are right for you, face care, uh, shampoo, everything, everything uh, just from a two minute quiz. And then you're just you risk no chance of being the smelly kid. And so if you want to smell good, Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. I mean, any other NBA topics that we haven't covered? Because... Coley, what we've been doing in this without anything to talk about is trying to talk to people about what their career arc is to try to get there. And I think you have a more interesting story than like most of the guys on the Celtics beat. Not to disparage them, but they just started covering high school sports and eventually made it to uh, covering the Celtics. You work for the most one of the most interesting Internet companies in the world and now are a millionaire hosting multiple podcasts. So. Interesting, cer- certainly a nice way to describe. That's that's how we've evolved. Now we're interesting. It used to just be like if you go anywhere near them, you're you're going to lose your job. If you if you like, I tried to blog from the hospital uh, after my wife gave birth, and the hospital's internet blocked barstool. Oh like, wow! You gotta, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, yeah, Brigham and Women's grow up. Um, 
But yeah, what uh, you want me to like say how I got to where I am? Well, I guess I can ask questions like some sort of host. Yeah, um, lead me. Yeah. <laughs> well, how'd you get started working at Barstool? You weren't always a, a content man. You, you, I, you started as a in the Milton office, I correct? I'm I'm a to put it out there. I'm a Barstool. I'm not gonna. I'm not a bar. I'm not a Dave guy. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. I think Dave's an asshole, <laughs> but I like all the, a lot of the content that Barstool produces. I obviously listen to part of my take. I listen to your show. I like do consume a lot of Barstool content. So I know a fair amount about the company, but you, so you started in when they were just a small, like rinky dink office in Milton, correct? It was, there were two people who like worked for the company at that point in time. And I would, I was an intern. I, uh, did my homework at UMass Amherst one day that went viral. I uh, got picked up by Barstool Sports, and the next summer I was what do you an intern. Mean? How do you go viral for doing your homework? So it was I was a journalism major. I was I was training to be the next Jay King. Believe it I or mean, not, that, that's a shitty thing to, <laughs> to train for. I'm glad you I aim high. Glad I said you veered in a different high. direction. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I was in like a multimedia class. It was also the reason I got on Twitter. Like we had to get a Twitter account. It was like our first like assignment was to get on Twitter. You had to tweet at Roger Ebert. uh, (laughs) And that was like the whole assignment. I give this tweet Uh, two thumbs down. (laughs) Yeah. I was blocked promptly. Um, (laughs) And we had to create a video that got as many views and comments as possible. Uh, and I, at the time, was super uncomfortable being like in front of a camera. I, I was very lazy with my homework. Uh, so I just, uh, I was a fan of Barstool. They were coming to UMass like within the month. Uh, so I dissed uh, Sam Adams, who was doing that concert. Um, I posted it to I my- guess I stand strongly behind right now. <laughs> <laughs> I posted it to uh, my Facebook went to bed. I woke up the next morning with like far too many texts, like way more than I typically get, uh, which is not a lot. So I, I was like in a panic and uh, it was like the, the, the lead. It wasn't like a, the website was just posts back then. Jay, I'm sure you remember. It was oh, just like whatever God. the most recent thing was, was up top. There wasn't like a pinned anything. And mine was like right towards the top. It was very recent. Uh, and so the Sam Adams haters have a face. And Dave was just tearing me apart. It was the old <laughs> comment section that just there were no laws on the Internet back then. So people were telling me to die, this, that, and the third. It was a good time. Uh, and so part of the assignment. <laughs> you said, I want to work for that company. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did always. Like, I, that didn't bother me. Like, I I wanted them to see it. Like, I didn't send it to anyone. I wanted them to see it. it my plan was working. Uh, <laughs> but part of the assignment was we had to respond to comments. Uh, so I got, I like this video got like a quarter million views. So I couldn't respond to all of the comments. Like, thank you. Well, one by one. So I made yet another video, uh, where I was smoking a blunt and talking shit. Uh, cause I grew up watching Dipset videos and that was the only type of videos I knew to draw <laughs> my inspiration from. They so always smoke blunts. For a, for a college class, you made a video yeah. of you smoking blunt and talking shit. I knew they couldn't prove what I was smoking, so I wasn't really too worried. It was just about a, that a part standard issue Dutch Master. <laughs> yeah, a little slimmer than uh, the one they sell. But, <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I'm not going to get into like too much trouble for this, uh, and I'm just, I'm just doing my homework. This is artistic license. I can do uh, whatever here. Uh, so this video was like five minutes. I was, I talked some shit again. I just posted it, didn't send it to anyone, um, and then the next day. Dave blogged it again. He was like, this kid's won me over. Uh, he was like, I don't know what it is about this kid, but he's won me over. Um, and so he came out because that's that was his whole plan. I met him. I got an A on that. So I got about 400, 500,000 hits on the two videos. The next closest was like someone went to the marathon, filmed that, and got like 2,000 just from like <laughs> SEO, up, like just typing marathon in. Uh, just wiped the floor of your entire class. Yeah, no, people weren't very happy because we had to play them in class. Like it was a once a week class. I played it. I think it was a Tuesday or Monday night. I played it. Everyone, after they saw my initial video, it was like a very silent room. Everyone's like, all right, moving on. And then the next week I was just sitting there. Everyone's giving me a dirty look. 
the teacher walks in. He was like, so everyone had varying levels of success with this uh, assignment. Uh, I'm going to start at someone at random uh, to talk about it. Coley, how was your week? And I was like, I got an A. He was like, yeah, yeah, you did. Um, so the next summer comes, they're calling for interns. Uh, and I applied. I was like, hey, I was the kid from last year. They were like, you sure are. I was an intern. <laughs> Dave called me the worst intern uh, he's ever had. Not because my lack of showing up. It's just when you work at Barstool, it's very directionless. And it's it's a freedom I had never experienced before. Like, you don't have a managing editor being like, this is your assignment. It's just like, that's where you sit. Go make funny. And I was, like, writing, like, very long-form blogs. It was a much shorter uh, site back then. Like, if you were over 300 words, you were way too long. Uh, so I, I flailed and, and didn't find any success. Um, but I, as I was uh, doing nothing, working security for many years uh, in Boston, I just got way better at Twitter. I got way better at like writing more uh, pithy, uh, short stuff. Uh, and so I went to Hank's 21st birthday party. And Dave, for like an hour, was just asking me, like, what's this? What's Twitter about? Like, why are you always tweeting? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> and so I went to the office like a week later and pitched him a social media uh, position job to which he told me was not a job and to get out. So I did. <laughs> and then a year later, he gave me a call and said, hey, I've got this great idea for a social media job. His idea, though, right? <laughs> We got into about an hour fight about whose <laughs> idea it was before finally. I had to try out for a month against someone else. I can't remember who I tried out, tried out against, but I mopped them up. Um, and they offered me the job uh, about a, like three weeks after I, I did that. And I've been back, I think it's been four or five years now. So were you basically like practicing the whole time, like writing blogs on your own, like tweeting yeah. on your own, knowing like at some point you wanted to audition for Barstool? Like you were basically like Rocky Four, like in- <laughs> <laughs> sitting at your security in, in, in Russia or wherever it was. Well, so like I, I was just so goddamn depressed for so long, just doing like I, I dropped out of UMass. I just started working security at like Fenway and different yeah. buildings around Boston. And Twitter was the only thing that was like helping me pass the time. I always say like, I felt like I was in timeout for like three years. Like I was just sitting there. And then one day I watched Conan O'Brien's last uh, episode uh, when the tonight show got taken stolen from him. And he went on this, this rant about how much he hates cynicism and cynical people and cynical thoughts. And it, it really like got in my brain. I was like, I just got to like, no one's going to come hand me something. And like, I was blogging, I was tweeting, like yeah. I was trying to get better. Uh, but I was like, no one's going to come hand this to me. And I was going to move out to Oakland to go to school, to work in marijuana dispensaries. And through my Google searches, I found out that Oaksterdam, uh, the original marijuana institution of America had just opened a sister school in Natick. Uh, so I went to that one. Uh, Thank I was God like, you Googled me that Google search. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, that's way cheaper. <laughs> um, so I went there. I think I was there like second graduate. Uh, shout out to Northeastern Institute of Cannabis. And I, I swear putting that, like trying to change my life, I dropped a bunch of weight. Um, and I was just like making all these positive changes on my things I could control. Yeah. And that's right when I graduated, like, dispensaries are still barely open in Massachusetts, which is a, another gripe I have. Uh, so I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to just jump right into working in one right away. So that's when they happened to call me about the social media stuff. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll do this until the dispensaries work. And then maybe I'll do both or I'll just go right into that. And then dispensaries was just slogging, slogging. And then the company got sold and they were, the move to New York was announced. And I was like, well, I certainly want to be a part of that. Uh, so, yeah, the dispensary stuff's uh, still on my mind, but a very distant, uh, like, fever dream at this point since I'm so... Well, it seems like you got a pretty good thing uh, going on right now. Yeah, I'm not looking to gift horse in the mouth by any any stretch. But, yeah, I was always... I always had Barstool in mind, but, I, like, there were times, like, I wrote for Incarcerated Bob for a while when he was trying to get a website. Like, I was... If you had a website and you were looking for writers, like, I was, I was at your door like trying to write for you. I had my own blog for a while. Uh, 
but yeah, so I was always, I always had something like this in mind. That story's cool as hell because, like, you failed and oh yeah, and failed like with with your golden opportunity. Oh yeah, and then just kept kind of pounding at it. So that that story's cool as hell that you kept persevering through all that. My saving grace was that I always will show. Like even while I failed, Dave always said like, yeah, he didn't do anything, but he was always there. Like, he was yeah. always dependable. He was you know, accountable like, for doing. Yeah. That. I was always, like, and I was always trying. Like, it wasn't like I just sat there, like, staring at a computer doing nothing. Like, I was trying. I was just failing. So, like, he, that always stuck with him. Like, after I left and, it, like, he followed me and stuff, he, he always pointed out, like, I never bashed Barstool. Like, I never did anything to, like, burn that bridge. And thank God I, like, I never had any reason to, but also thank God I didn't because you never know when that opportunity is going to come back around. Now, as a Celtics fan and an early Twitter adopter, I'm sure you got exposed to the Riffs man early on. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we talked about this uh, when I visited you uh, down in uh, New York. But just the it's the weird Celtics Twitter is just kind of taken off. And you just like I feel like you've been on Twitter and been a Celtics fan from a very early start. And so, like, talk to me about, like, seeing that take off and become like the crazy leftist meme factory it is today. <laughs> left of left. It's uh, yeah, no, right. Liz Warren hating. <laughs> yeah, uh, the refs man deserves all all of the credit, but it was like there weren't many of us when it it kicked off because there, like, I don't like the vast majority of Celtics fans. I know that's not a popular thing to say <laughs> on a Celtics podcast, but like. I just don't. I'm always on the other side of them when it comes to like what I find to be very basic things to talk about. Like, is Jalen Brown a good draft pick? Most Celtics fans said no. In fact, they booed. I didn't boo. <laughs> they wanted Jimmy Butler and him and Isaiah were going to lose in the second round together. That would have been sick. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always had a, some great disdain for most Celtics fans. I saw that online. Very early, I was like, nope, they stink here, too. And it was me, the wrist man. I'm trying to think because I know it wasn't just us. There were others around, and it just made it – I was like, oh, finally, there are some people with some sense here. And it made it much more enjoyable. And I think him just being the the, the character he is, just he, he just willed the rest of everyone else to, to get in line. Uh, if he wanted to uh, – you could argue he has started a cult. If he wanted yeah, to start he a has like disciples. Cult, a more dangerous cult he could do that too <laughs> riffs man disciple right here i feel like i like started being online and doing twitter stuff and like i started work like writing gamers for wei.com being like no one's gonna go to wei.com to figure out what happened in the celtics game that they can just find out what like on the internet so no one was reading that and then i like saw that there were people was like oh you can be funny and uh actually like tweet nonsense things and like have a good time with it and like immediately you had to like just lean into it because it's way more fun to like watch a basketball game i just jay i don't know how you do it and just like stay neutral and like you know just well you don't have much of a personality so i kind of understand it but like yeah it's tough to show personality when you're just a boring motherfucker man (laughs) (laughs) i do think it was it was the like the riffs man was the the fuel and Isaiah was the spark that ignited it. Like I, without that trade happening, without that one picture, I don't know. Maybe it takes a little bit longer, but it, that exploded it to something I didn't Marcus, obviously a huge part of it as well. Yeah. Jay, what was your, like when assholes like me started showing up to games and started tweeting up like pics of Al Horford being sexy or like other things like that. What is, I mean, you don't have to say your personal thoughts about me if they're cruel, but like <laughs> you went, you're, I feel like you have an, uh, the approach or perspective of like very straight journalists. Like you built your way up from high school sports. And now it's just like, there's people, I think Coley's a great example of this is just like a non-traditional route or, but like are still have a very huge impact of like how the game is covered now. So I kind of had a non-traditional route too. Like, like I wrote for Barstool for a little while. I wrote for like I had my own blog for a while. Like I grew, I grew up a Celtics fan too. So like if I if I was gonna be mad at you being in the locker room, like I I would have to I would have to go back in time and like not allow myself in the locker room ever, and I probably wouldn't have my job at all. So I can't be too upset about that shit. 
I will say like when assholes like you get in my way and ask questions and, <laughs> and, and waste time in press conferences, sometimes that bothers me. Um, but other than that, and does, I'm, that bother I'm, I'm you more, on that. does that bother you more than people who are very serious journalists who ask, ask even worse questions? The, uh, my profession, <laughs> which is meant to ask questions, is well known for asking the dumbest questions. <laughs> like, every single game, like, what, what were you feeling when, when the shot went in? Well, I was fucking happy it went in. What the fuck yeah. do you expect me to say? You know, like, like every press conference seems like, like it's just the same fucking questions. And if the Celtics win three games straight, it's like, you, you know, yeah, like, oh, you guys are really gelling. What's, why is the chemistry so high? And then if they lose three straight, like, oh, what's going on with the chemistry? Why is it? It's like, sometimes you just fucking lose basketball games. (laughs) How, How nicer was it this year opposed to last year? The locker room? Oh my just god! Just everything, and like the whole I mean, the questions the were just as bad. But uh, there was a sure. there was an NBA employee. I forget who it was, and even if I remember it, I wouldn't say who it was. But he came to a Celtics practice at the beginning of the season and looked around and kind of saw everything that was going on and saw the mood of everything. It was like, oh my god, this is a hundred percent different than it was <laughs> last year, and it really is. Like it's it's that. E- Oh, God, he's gone. We'll have to continue the conversation without him. But it does. It has been noticeably different. But asking those questions is is nerve wracking because I know guys like Jay and like the old reporters just are hate on you immediately if you ask something stupid. And so, like, I rarely ask questions. But when I do, I try to make sure that they're good. But it's hard. Like, you don't you don't want to look like an idiot. Luckily, Brad Stevens isn't like pop or he's going to try and like dunk on you. But it's right. It's kind of a. a it's a no-win situation because, like, either I was you say, ask- doesn't it feel worse to just not ask questions? Oh, I feel like a giant waste of space, and uh, like I'm an imposter every time I show up and don't ask a question. I was like, oh, okay, Sam, you just like, what was your purpose for being at this game? Uh, so I like try to like ask uh, questions sometimes to justify my existence, but it's nerve-wracking because you don't like. It's painful when someone asks a bad question, a question, and like Brad's never going to say it, but you can sometimes see like this the scorn in his eyes, like. Really, dude, like, like, really, that's what you're going to ask me right now. So you don't like want that. Like the players are just no. like so like in athlete speak that it doesn't really matter as much. But like with the with Brad, it's like you don't want to come off looking like an idiot. And so like I remember I asked the question last time and then like my legs were shaking. Like I, I was just like, oh, my God, this this is way more nerve wracking than it should be. My my favorite was uh, Kelly Olynyk. Whenever anyone asked a stupid question to Kelly Olynyk, and he was like the nicest dude in the oh, world. Yeah. Like the day after Devin Booker scored seventy points, I talked to Kelly Olynyk about the atmosphere in the locker room, and like the Celtics acted like they had lost a finals game. And I would talk to Kelly. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know why that was. Like we." we should have just all been happy for him. You know, like we won the game anyway. <laughs> like yeah. th- that's, that's Kelly Olenek. But anytime someone would ask a bad question, I don't think he meant to, but he would just smirk and he would just have this, <laughs> this, this momentary smirk. Like, ah, oh, that's a dumbass question. right there. <laughs> and it was like clockwork. And then he'd give a normal answer, but you could tell by the smirk when he thought someone was just being a dumbass. Just terrible poker face, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was great. Well, and he wasn't worried about it. It was I just to ask like you, Coley, his natural reaction. Is that you went from, so you are a social media guy, and then you start doing mixtape with Tyler, and it starts off as just kind of a five hours of, of nonsense talk that was loosely like related to basketball. But now you like land some pretty serious guests, and you have a lot of players who come on, and I think they come on, I mean, some are definitely initially still kind of in athlete mode and not really knowing the exactly what's going on but you get a lot of the players to kind of drop their filter and you know act like normal people which is i what i think um like the good reporters like i think jay is good at doing that in a one-on-one situation but it's never going to happen in like a scrum or anything like that and so i think just that transition from i don't know it's just you and tyler like fucking around to being like oh my god we're talking to andre drummond which you had on recently like how has that progressed to like how have you gotten uh i guess so much more legit in the eyes of like the nba I don't think the NBA still knows what to do with us. Like, they know who we are. I know they know who we are. Last year, our draft show was on 
and this is more of an indictment on the team, but it was on in the Orlando Magic's war room. Like, that's <laughs> irresponsible. That's wildly irresponsible, but I appreciate it. Um, who did they draft last year? Did you have any influence? Uh, who did they draft? Whoever you wanted them to. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, um, fuck. I can't even remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, the dude from Florida State, right? Who hasn't played yet? Who, Isaac? That was a while ago. No, no, no. The other dude. Hold on. I'm building a team of Florida State people. The wild move. Yeah, they got lengthy dudes at at Florida State, I feel like. Oh, yeah. they They like their lengthy dudes in Orlando, too. Not that any of those lengthy dudes are any good. Well, Mo Bamba's going to come back with 40 pounds of muscles. and I don't even know if they had – I don't even see anyone on on their roster that could have been drafted. Is that Okiki? <laughs> yeah, Okiki. Okiki, that's right. Yeah, so thank you so, again to the Atlanta Magic. Uh, the, like, the fuck is Okiki? The, the, <laughs> I don't – I never heard anyone say to add Dwayne Wade and Dirk to the all-star game before me and Tyler. And then Adam Silver gave that credit to a random emailer, uh, which is not a thing that happens in 2018. You're just so the email Adam Silver. <laughs> yeah, it's just through a direct line. Like, hey, Adam, check this out. Uh, so they know who we are. They don't love to give us credit for things. Uh, I don't fully blame them. But players, uh, yeah, it's – it like when I envisioned this show, it was never like – we always call it like VORP Twitter, like advanced analytics. Like there's enough of that. Like there's Zach Lowe, the, he can handle that. Like I, no one else is going to do it better. So why even try? Uh, but I always wanted to do basketball culture. Like there, there's more to basketball than just the uh, basketball reference per 36 page. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I feel like that was getting missed. So many people who tweet, and talk about basketball and NBA Twitter, I don't think I actually like basketball, like what basketball actually is. And those people bother the fuck out of me. Uh, So that's what me and Tyler always wanted to do. And I think guys kind of hear that when we talk to them, that like, oh no, we're just actual fans. Like we're not, Frank Kaminsky always tries, thinks I'm trying to get him, like try and get him to like trash someone. And it's like, no, I'm trashing them. I don't care what you say. Like you can do whatever you want. we had Justice Winslow like almost cry because uh, we we had him like staring out a window, thinking of like lovers lost in the past. Like we we get guys definitely out of their element, which which I appreciate. Like Andre Drummond talking about punching uh, an unnamed teammate in the head was great, stuff like that. So I remember sitting uh, at Joe Johnson's Airbnb in Beverly Hills last year for the Big Three, and it was just like. We were, we were talking about the Dallas Cowboys and Tyler kept predicting their record for the next season. And every time he predicted it, it'd be much worse than the time before. And Joe Johnson couldn't believe it. He was like, what do you mean they're going three and 13? And like stuff like that. Like it, I just like to, to humanize like it. You, It's different for you guys and people who work next to these uh, superhumans. But for like a lot of fans, like they don't seem attainable. They don't seem like normal human beings. So like I'm, I would I just try to humanize them and and get something out of them that 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 Jay and and traditional reporters can't and it's hard sometimes because traditional reporters are getting better at that. I th- like was that process difficult when you first like sat down with an NBA player and like hey we're this like fan podcast or is there an interview or something that like legitimized you or felt like it made it like easier at, like after that point. I mean, the second interview we ever did was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, so that was, that was, and he does not like talking to people he doesn't know. So that yeah, was, what was he selling? Uh, I think it was the book. Yeah, it was a book. It was the him and um, John Wooden book. Uh, and he, we, we cross-interviewed him with Pardon My Take, uh, which is crazy to say in now where pardon my take is that they were like, yeah, we'll split it with them. <laughs> um, but we sat at like a standard table and Kareem sat at like the end, like if he were the father at Thanksgiving and his <laughs> legs went longer than the table. And I was just like, this man's going to get caught in like the headphone cords and he's going to like tear an ACL. Like this isn't good news. Um, but that was 
wild and and i got him to like give a couple good answers and like i don't know i've never been so when i was younger my father like randomly came into like a little more money than he typically had like he worked for the city like we didn't grow up like like and fucking uh wellesley or something like that like we we were okay but we we didn't have like surplus but he came into a little bit so we bought half season tickets and uh what's the what's the club there like we're right next to where the the players walk in putnam oh, like the, or legend, it's called. the legends club or legends, something yeah whatever i don't know what it's called now it was like the legends club back Jay then. would know the corporate sponsor you stooge <laughs> <laughs> and so after games like that's where the players would walk out so i got real accustomed to talking to like ricky davis and players like that and like i remember one time like people were asking for autographs and Ricky was walking by and I was, I said something about like a very specific play and he stopped and he turned and he looked at me and I was like 11 and he came over and he dapped me up. It was like, that's cool that you recognize that. And so from that point on, I've really been comfortable talking to people. Now, if I was like, I love that Ricky Davis gave you the power. (laughs) Yeah, of course he did. That's, that's what he does. He empowers empowers everyone. (laughs) But um, and like I went to Red Auerbach's camp. Like I asked him a question when like the whole camp was just sitting there. Like that's Red Auerbach. I'm not asking him any questions. And like I don't know. I've just always been comfortable doing that. Like and I also don't care if I look like an idiot. But yeah, that's par for the course. So I think when, that's the when biggest you're... lesson learned from you, Cole, is uh, you got to try and you can't be afraid to fail. Um, yeah, you're gonna fail and you just have to keep trying, anyways. Big time. Yeah, just keep. Keep punching on the door, and eventually the door will lose. Just let Ricky Davis guide you. That's that's <laughs> what I've taken from this conversation. You know what? He tried, life motto. he tried to do a – what was that clip that you posted the other day, Jay, of him, him trying to do a behind uh, – off the backboard dunk, missing, and then still doing a windmill like in recovery? Like that's <laughs> that's trying, failing, and then trying again. It's the Ricky Davis way. Yep. That's, that's all you need. Get buckets, baby. All right. I mean, Coley, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you got more podcasts. You got a baby girl. And so we appreciate you coming on. Uh, anything you want to plug? I know you got the Section 10 podcast. It's still going. Mixtape still going. Anything else? No, that's really all I do. <laughs> he nailed it. Barstoolsports.com. You might have heard of it. Uh, it's a popular website making millions in the podcast industry, making people rich left and right. Um so if you want to like Coley and want to listen to mixtape, I highly recommend it's a great way to waste a, an hour of time. Several hours. Eight hours of time. They might not even talk about basketball. You guys do have the longest episodes I've ever seen in the podcast game. What's crazy, like there's one guy who just sold his podcast for literal hundreds of millions of dollars. His All episode of his episodes are three hours long. We go two and a half hours. Everyone's like, why do you guys do that? It's like, what do you mean? Why do we do that? <laughs> because we want Spotify to buy us for $900 billion. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, Rogan always used to get me through a lot of like long, boring nights. Uh, went back when Barso only had KFC radio. So that there wasn't much else. Like it was them two, Bill Burr. That was really it. And now everyone has a podcast, uh, which I appreciate as well. But, yeah, I don't understand. Like, Erica, our CEO, just came out with a podcast. It's like 12 minutes long. I'm always making fun of her. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Bite-sized content. That's what people really tune yeah. in for. They don't want deep dives on the 1975 NFL draft. But, you know, <laughs> some people got to provide that content. I always liked, like, the short – Arrow, uh, we had Terry as a co-host. Like, oh, uh, I was picturing, like, oh, I was picturing burying it at the end of like a three-hour one and having like the beat reporters like, oh, let's see what Terry said today. <laughs> I know yeah. the beat reporters had to listen to every episode, Jay. We sure did. Yeah, we have to listen to every every episode. Every Celtics player is on. That's why okay, you like when when he would be in a car uh, for our entire uh, episode. Yeah, Terry, are, you, are you inside a pool right now? <laughs> Terry didn't always seem fully invested in the podcast, um, but he he. I mean, he's a gem. He's uh, he is. He's, he's a character. That guy. When he, he was like when we did the cooking video and he was yeah, invested, that was hilarious. He was all in. Like when he was invested, it was great. But there, it wasn't. It wasn't his fault. It was set up yeah. by people above him, 
and it, it should have went a different way that would have been really good but i don't know terry's the best he fucking kills me all right, my, my last question i just thought of was talking about mixtape it sounds like you just call tyler and then you press record and that's three hours of a podcast is that it or like how much planning to go say because jay and i like will sometimes talk about like general topics but no we we mostly just hop on, and, talk just shit hop on and, minutes. and i feel like that's the most natural and organic way to do it but for three hours it it seemed really see, like it's impressive for like way you guys actually have entertaining conversations that we seemingly very little planning well i appreciate that when we first started it would be like i got these four things what do you got and that lasted probably like the first like two months <laughs> And that hasn't been the case. I don't remember what it was like one day. I just, Oh, what, what happened was I, I would start recording when he called and we would have like our little pre-talk or whatever. And like something funny would inadvertently come out of that. So I would start putting that before we played uh, Jules by Alan Iverson. Oh and my. Then, and like episodes <laughs> where it's like a full hour and a half before you got to the theme song. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that became funny to me. And I knew some people out there would appreciate it. Other people would be very confused. Um, but eventually it was just like, yeah, why even go into the next part? Like, let, that's the episode done. Yeah, I mean, it's something that putting the theme song way late is something I've stolen. It's like I feel like I've taken a lot from just like two guys hanging out. Like, that's what the, a good podcast should be. And so appreciate for all the, the content you create and I appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us for an hour. Of course, I appreciate you fellas too. But yeah, we thanks, said, man. It's been fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode of Anything Is Potable, please subscribe, download, do all the things podcast listeners do, do all the things hosts ask you to do. And thanks for listening to this episode of Anything Is Potable.